Balki, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast uh, in the morning here at the Shop Talks conference in London. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the grocery retail business. You, as one of the uh, biggest manufacturers in that, uh, in that area, will tell us how you look um, at the different omni-channel and multi-channel trends in that area. Please introduce yourself and Mars a bit so the uh, listeners can understand uh, what you're working on. Sure. And uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. Lovely to speak to you. Uh, so I'm Balki, I'm based in London. I lead a group that's called Digital Demand uh, for Mars. Digital Demand essentially is responsible for all consumer experience platform capabilities, as well as extending into customer experience, as we now know that that's also important in terms of transformation. So I lead experience platforms which are focused on digital content, digital commerce and digital marketing. And uh, my role is global and I work with all the key food segments of Mars, which basically means confectionery, pet food, as well as human food. Um, and my role essentially is to support the transformation to make sure that the capabilities that we have in Mars from a technology perspective are addressing the business imperatives of today from digitization. And if we're looking at the bigger picture, so I understand Mars is a corporation with, with roughly 40 billion uh, um, revenue. Um, you are the inventor of the Milky Way, uh, Snickers, and, and, and a lot of a lot, lot of more interesting products, uh, M&Ms, uh, I guess. Um, so this is a, a product range where like 10 years ago at a similar conference, uh, this was traded 99% wholesale based. So you would ship like big pallets, uh, big boxes to the retailers uh, um, uh, like um, like an Aldi, like an Rewe, like an Ocado, though they sell it. Um, has this changed or has the strategy changed over the last 10 years um, because there was a lot of chat about direct-to-consumer initiatives in the market? Yeah, so let me give you a breakdown of how Mars is organized and then I'll come into why it is important that we transform from the wholesale uh, angle. So Mars essentially is four parts. It's a 40 plus billion dollar organization. It's privately held. Um, confectionery is a big part of it. So that's where you would have heard M&Ms, Mars bars, Snickers, Twix, Milky Way, etc. Uh, the second big part is pet care and pet care is really pet food veterinary services as well as diagnostics and there's also a group there that looks at new innovations hardware iot devices etc the third group is human food so you would have heard ben's original dolmio um, etc so those are human food and the last one is called mars edge which focuses on innovation you know new products what is out there that we can do um, from a digitization perspective and from a D2C perspective, it's quite important because if you look at the pet care uh, space itself, the advent of new players, new startups, um, the Gen Z requiring new capabilities or the way they access the products or their whole focus on you know, topics like brand purpose, sustainability, these are capabilities that we need to typically access by being getting you know, closer to them and directly. So that is the um, whole concept of why direct-to-consumer becomes more important from a pet care perspective. Uh, from a confectionery perspective, it's also about you know competing with the with the new capabilities which are there in terms of personalization, in terms of uh, you know new propositions and products. So how do we get to consumers directly? So while wholesale has been the core uh, premise from a mass perspective in terms of stocking in the Walmarts and Krogers. It's quite important that we bring the capabilities of Mars as an ecosystem 
to the pet parent from a pet care perspective which means vet care insurance diagnostics as well as food in the way that the consumers want to consume it today in the way that they relate to the brand so hence moving away uh, from wholesale is not the goal but how do we create a halo effect how do we offset the percentage loss that we incur on a year to year basis and how do we make it up through digital channels and digitization is the goal yeah if we are following the conversations here on the on the shop talk in the grocery tracks where um, very big grocery retailers tell about their story their vision their strategy we are um, we are hearing more and more that they um, depend on um, exclusive product strategies that so they try to develop their own snickers so to say their own m&ms and try to um, sell it to the customer through their um, brick and mortar channels and their online um, on the online channel so by definition uh, um, you have to find like other ways to um, to reach the customer um, you're now um, owning some of the signature brands so you have to present milky way and snickers in the store otherwise like, people will uh, people will leave it's same you, you have to present like uh, coca-cola or pepsi in the store otherwise people will will leave but how has the communication how has the conversation changed with those retailers over the year regardless if it's pet or um, or uh, human food Yeah so like i said the focus on grocery on wholesale will continue to remain that is the bread and butter that is the biggest channel so there in terms of innovation it really is about what are the new flavors you could introduce what are the new bundles you could introduce how could you create more seasonality so that innovation uh, on that product front continues but when it comes to digitization and creating our own propositions which is meaningful on the direct to consumer channels there are a lot of opportunities and those are addressing the themes of today so for example aspects around sustainability organic regenerative so how do we create products which address those categories which then become propositions which are appealing to the consumers and we sell them by creating our own products or packaging products in different bundles in different capabilities in different subscriptions and personalization for existing products which then become appealing So those are the different tracks that we are trying to solve. And when it comes to direct consumer, are there any experiments that are live already? Yesterday we had here Judy Mathers, um, who founded Flora and Fauna in Australia, which is um, a leading vegan beauty retailing brand. Um, obviously, products you would also get like in the retail channels, but she was able to build like a, a value proposition where customers said, "Okay, I, I'd like rather buy with Flora and Fauna because I trust them." more are there similar initiatives from a mars perspective yes there are several initiatives uh, especially on the pet care side where we are you know figuring out what is that right mix what is that right proposition which will click and there are basically about three or four pillars there so the first is around just the quality of food you know how is it produced you know how is it organic how is it let's say based on insect protein or those that appeal to the consumers the second is really customization how do we create pet food that is relevant to the stage of the pet to the diseases that the pet has or to the extra care that the pet needs to you know go through um the third is really convenience so how could we create um, you know for example appealing subscription models which becomes quite easy for subscription the fourth is around sustainability so one of the propositions is around the whole cat litter service so how could you create an organic way of collecting back cat litter such that it becomes appealing so there are different propositions which are live in different stages to experiment this for example perfect fit in germany 
uh, is a launch that we did recently, which is about custom food, which is based on you know a questionnaire about the pet um, pet stays in life, pet conditions, and then customized to that particular pet. How do we sell? If you look at uh, Pretty Litter, which is a recent acquisition uh, that we made, so D two C is about both organic as well as inorganic. So, what are those propositions in terms of you know appeal? So, Pretty Litter is a in an amazing product that can uh, you know one in terms of how it is produced, and second, how you could look at the you know poop of your pet to determine if it has conditions. You know, the third one which has been uh, launched here is Natusan, which is around a litter product. Which is essentially a subscription service to address the landfill problem. You know, litter from a you know pet um, waste is one of the biggest problems in the sustainability end. So, how do we collect the litter back so that it can be decomposed uh, in a sustainable manner? So, these are different experiments which are happening across propositions. So, it's not just about packaging existing products and selling online or creating bundles, but it's about addressing. Questions which are important to our consumers. Let's stay with a perfect uh, fit. I think was the name um, uh, example. So um, uh, you're coming out of a wholesale organization um, setup. So and obviously, for wholesale organization, it's usually hard to think about direct to um, um, consumers. So how is this? Uh, how is this project shaped? Because I think other other retailers, other manufacturers can learn from it. How how, how to do it? What have you learned with the with the? It's an internal initiative, so it's not an acquisition. Um, I understand correctly. That's correct. So how is looking like is it like a new team was there a team with some uh, from the existing pet food uh, uh, um, uh, pillar of the business uh, doing the same stuff have you acquired a team doing this for you yes so first it starts with the you know vision from the business and the backing of the executives to say mm -hmm. that this is the direction we need to take yeah. and that's a massive step so a huge credit to the you know the, to the business segments who are thinking about it yeah. and you know backing it to say we will invest in this This is the future by 2025, 2026. This part of the business, in terms of direct-to-consumer or specific propositions, you know, will be a huge part of our business. So that's one, recognizing and backing. <clears throat> the second is then creating the structural organization that can really help with, and that really is about what is the base technology capabilities that you need, and then what are the base operational capabilities that we need, which is different from how to address wholesale, which basically means. How does consumer care work? How does supply chain work? How will pick, pack, and shipping work in terms of eaches? Do we need to set up our own warehouse, or do we need to create a space in the warehouse, or do we need to outsource? So each of these decisions are being made in a strategic way, such that it can address the future vision as well. And all this is, you know, internally done. The third is leadership, which is how do we get the core leadership from experiences that they've already had, right? Which can really drive this business and equip. And educate existing folks in the business also to be on a fast track. The fourth really is about you know the whole setup and how the team works with each other. How do you create, for example, an entity which is specifically focused on D 2 C? How do you create an entity? For example, we have you know opened an entity in Amsterdam which is focused on direct to consumer, so that all the teams from the various functions sit together you know towards that vision. So. That's one on the manufacturing side as well. It's a huge, you know, learning curve in terms of how do you re-equip a small piece of the manufacturing line to be able to do custom packing, to be able to, you know, mix and match based on the orders that you're getting. So it's a learning process from top to bottom, which is supported by the vision and backing, 
with sourcing the right capabilities as a core team by selecting technologies and partners who have been on this journey and then creating you know co-located teams so that you know you give the runway and the bandwidth over a period of time to make it successful it's not going to be magic it's a multi-year journey but the backing and the you know the environment is being created and are you in it for the multi-year investment because i i would guess like this is a, uh, the 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 um uh, the um uh, the the tailored pet food business that's a business to make a payback or to turn it into like a profitable path it could like could take years like if the learning curve now obviously you have to invest in acquiring customers then maybe the first cohorts are the wrong cohorts not spending enough not loyal enough like um some maybe some uh, some challenges with uh, with the product itself so how is it set up so do you have like a kpi where you say okay if you're not reaching the 1 million 10 million revenue milestone in year two we have to end this project and investing into other projects yes so there is a clear framework that has been put in place to evaluate the stages that a proposition goes through so there are about five or six stages which have been defined and they are clear checkpoints to understand if a proposition is meeting those parameters or not and also the mindset of you know taking the decision to kill propositions you know is also very clearly laid out to say that if it doesn't work it doesn't work but what we have achieved though is learned a lot from it we would have learned from a process perspective we would have learned from what works we would have learned from consumer feedback we would have learned from an organizational agility standpoint which should feed into the next proposition that we do so even if we fail we take the learnings and there are clear stages you know to go through um, from that perspective and also from a kpis it's not just about revenue it's also about the data that we collect the information that we know and understand our pet parents more closely which can then help us you know build future propositions with the, what we have learned from that data in mind and it also helps us with a lot of our media efficiency the more the data we collect the more we are able to optimize uh, you know our advertising spend in other channels the more we are able to merge channels from a brand website social um, you know as well as d2c to make it more efficient and bring in more synergies the clear um, vision is try out multiple propositions which are focused on multiple pillars whether it be sustainability or personalization or custom mixing or long tail that are addressing consumer problems be able to launch many of these propositions in a cost effective manner in a quick time so that we are able to learn and then scale the propositions that make sense right and kill the others that don't okay mars is like from a startup perspective the um the perfect exit goal to be to be honest so there have been many pet food um, startups around in, uh, in in europe on a, even on a global level many human food uh, products have been around somewhere in the commerce talks podcast some in the sister podcast kassenzone and um when i was talking about the uh, with the founders about like potential um long-term strategies exit paths obviously so one goal could be to sell to a huge manufacturer like mask or to a huge grocery Uh, chain where they can they can help scaling it so you must have seen many of those startups in the last uh, uh, years that were able to build successful trajectories um, in, in their area were there many compelling offers uh, among them where you say okay that makes sense that is something we cannot build ourselves fast enough let's buy startup xyz yes so there's you know there's absolutely a group that is um, 
intent on figuring out what are those propositions which would automatically be you know a big synergy from a d2c perspective and i think our goals are also clear it's not about organically growing you know to the targets that we have but be a mix of organic and inorganic from a scouting perspective of what makes sense for those propositions there's an active team that pretty much is on a daily basis you know out there looking for propositions uh, and we have made acquisitions as well you know in the recent past and those acquisitions give us probably three or four um, you know key benefits one of them is potentially manufacturing you know the way they have set up their units the way the personalization works the way the custom mix works it's potentially extensible from a know-how perspective or a machinery perspective to other propositions that we may already have <clears throat> the second is simply a space that we don't need you know to invest more time or costs to create um you know the third could be just you know capabilities and skills of somebody having set up a startup and run it and what we can learn instantly to be able to infuse into the existing business so i think and i think the fourth is just connectivity the ecosystem i i truly believe that you know from a mars pet care perspective the breadth of services covers pretty much the entire pet care journey right from somebody trying to acquire a pet to you know learn more about how to bringing up pets to all life stages to insurance to vets to diagnostics to breeders to vets it's everything so you know how can you know any startup you look at would automatically fit into one of those ecosystem journeys so i think there is a tremendous potential you know when you look at it that way looking at the pet industry during corona i've learned in the german speaking market that it, there was a huge boom so during corona many people started to buy pets uh, dogs cats whatever so uh, it feels like uh, the, the amount of dogs and cats now in germany doubled uh, just in like two years which must have a very very positive impact on your uh, um, uh, business um, can, can you share of the numbers of the growth rate in the industry not only for mass but what you've seen even on a global level was it kind of a european uh, uh, pet run or was it kind of a global effect we've seen no i think it was a global effect uh, and i think there were a couple of reasons for that one obviously you know definitely pet uh, acquisition increased big time uh, you know globally as a result of you know people being single or people needing company or you know whatever i think the second also was you know as a as a result of the pandemic there was a fear of being able to stock up and you know have availability so that also pushed up uh, the sales significantly so you know absolutely from a um from what the pet division itself achieved was significant however there were some spots which also suffered so for example you know hospital footfall or diagnostics footfall you know obviously came down uh, during that period of time you know for at least a few months and and then picked up but i think the beauty of a diversified pet care business is you know, there are some businesses that will do amazingly well and then compensate for the others which are going through the tough times and and, and you said it's not only a european effect a, a global effect but so I, i just overstated the numbers like doubling like the, the 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 amount of pets available in the market but what were the numbers like like plus 20% pet owners in a specific market plus 30 plus 5 so how how big are the numbers actually i i don't recollect the exact numbers but it is quite significant that you know it very easily exceeded the targets that our businesses had yeah. you know for that particular year which i think says a lot 
Okay. In the pet industry, um, we see, especially on the European level, we, we see some strong retailers uh, with brick and mortar um, uh, DNA, Fresnap, for example, Futterhouse. We see some online retailers like um, Zooplus. Many of them um, do have a hard time to uh, to to have to create a profitable e-commerce uh, um, um, business. So it's 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 still like the time of Pets.com, like one of the biggest fails in the in the in the top in the dot-com uh, um, crash. So there's plenty of room of uh, of innovation. Still, people are not willing to pay a high price for the logistics uh, when they're ordering 20 kilogram uh, um, um, dog food, for example. Do you see on a global level innovations in that direction where you see, okay, there are some startups, some businesses that do have a much smarter approach on this uh, pet care supply e-commerce business? I think the general general rule for all D2C business is very similar to what you said, right? That it's a long path. The costs are high. It takes time to be profitable. But what we have seen through some of the acquisitions that we have made is uh, those who are focusing on subscription businesses and those who are focusing on an, a very narrow niche which they are able to target are the more successful ones. They are able to build that with a smaller team, with a smaller cost. They are able to really address a key problem you know, that a particular um, pet parent is facing. And they are able to stand up that solution fast. So, for example, if you see some of the D2C solutions, if there is a massive amount of work to be done behind the scene, right, which is source the products, it needs to be organic, you know, you have to build a recipe, then you have to ship it, then there are, you know, costs to make sure that the food is preserved and packaging, all those add up. So, I think those businesses, and there are definitely those out there, which are focusing on a very narrow niche and which you know, as a result of that are not required to be that cost intensive. And then as a result of their subscription model and repeat ordering are able to be profitable much faster. Mm -hmm. And have you seen like outstanding startups uh, in the last like one or two years that really convinced you, okay, that's the way to go because when, um, so I'm, I'm covering the, um, uh, the pet food retailers now for a couple of years and the innovation level is still, still low. So um, the ones that are turning a profit do grow very very slow and the profit is not super interesting we're still talking about like one percent ebdr margins uh, and on a very very huge business uh, uh, with may one or two bad decision uh, that that's too low actually to cover for the for the bad decisions have you seen and, and then we have um, seen uh, chewy the us uh, the us case all the european retailers looked at and say okay they do a much better job in selling the story uh, to to uh, to the stock owners, uh, and, and now the stock came down also like seventy percent, eighty percent. Though it, it kind of all the all the um, all the um, innovation impulse kind of left uh, the market. We are back at square zero, uh, more or less. So it, it, it back at like brick and mortar, boring retail. People are going to the store with their car packing their 20 kilogram dog food or whatever uh, in the car. So, so it, it seems to be a very hard problem to solve. Can you convince me otherwise? I don't, I don't think it's an easy problem to solve, first of all. Uh, the, the main premise of being in the space is, I would say, threefold. One is to absorb the decline 
in the normal category and the normal channel of business that you would anyway see right because of multiple startups splintering sales across different capabilities and different uh, propositions out there right so that is number one the second thing is acquisition of data and what we can do with it for other channels you know and use it properly uh, absorb it on better capabilities on media efficiency etc and the third is how do we take those learnings and embed it as a new capability or proposition in the larger ecosystem that mars pet care has to me these are the three things it is not solely about profit because if profit were the only target i think it would be quite tough uh, it is about patience to see how one or two or three propositions really kick off and it is about acquisition to balance what profitability we may not have with our native capabilities and how we offset it with acquisitions but again address those three things you know which are key which is absorb the reduction in normal categories learn from data and then use those learnings to create new propositions in our larger ecosystem so that to me is a blend right if we only target profitability then yes and that is what most startups do i think the power of mars as a startup with muscle as a result of its ecosystem is massive so hence i would say comparison with a standalone startup may be a bit skewed in that way if i combine it with all the three capabilities that we are trying to do you know go for okay let let's stick with uh, this statement for just a minute if you could choose um what is the hardest thing to do um finding a good idea like a new value proposition b scaling this idea within your uh, mars ecosystem or three convincing enough people within the mars ecosystem to uh, to get it pulled off to 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 promote it because most of them are usually anti-innovation because they're in the wholesale business. It's, that's part of their job. They, they are risk managers. They're usually, if there's something new where you cannot say what's going to be the outcome in five years, they have to say, no, sorry, that's, that's too risky. Out of the three challenges, what, are the, what, is, uh, what, what, what is the easiest to solve from your point of view? Easiest to solve? Yeah. I think scaling is the easiest to solve if the idea clicks, in my view, uh, in terms of the capabilities that mars has right from a every function perspective there are people you know who are available and dedicated to be able to pull it off uh, i think the the toughest parts really are what is that idea right that would that would really um, pull consumers and help in acquiring consumers in a cost effective manner because you know pretty much there is competition for every idea out there right so what is that idea which will be you know quite convincing um quite cost effective to implement and then i think you know from a scaling perspective it's i don't think that that's a big challenge and how and how, on how many ideas do you have to look at on a weekly basis uh, internal or external ideas that uh, that where people say so um please look at it give me feedback is it scalable should we start our m&a process here there are i mean i from from a personal standpoint i'm not you know in all those sessions where ideas are discussed i think you know there are quite senior execs who are involved at various levels to go through ideas to go through acquisition you know prospects um to discuss across segments on ecosystem values etc but i would assume that you know there are it's it's a huge 
it's a huge ambition and it's a key strategy for pet care to really uh, you know do well in this space uh, such that we are able to position ourselves in the next 4 5 years as a leading player in this space be able to learn with the data you know that we have and really try to create a proper ecosystem from the pet care perspective how many people in the mars ecosystem will work end of this year on this new ideas scaling them introducing them to the market trying to uh, trying to bring them to the customer i would say at least 200 250 people would be globally you know, globally yeah oh. would be working on this it's uh, quite a huge startup on its own um, it already is. it definitely is and <clears throat> i think the best part is a lot of these folks are also contributing to existing businesses right so when they join the process it's not that they are exclusive so you know there is some time till you know it scales up and then they become you know fully contributing to the cause so that also is a benefit of you know being a multifunctional uh, organization and then maybe one last question because it's uh, it's it, it's pretty much um, uh, what the market is like um, is is showing right now we're seeing a lot of like um, hiring stops some layoffs at the big tech companies um which is obviously uh, um, um a big um a big issue for uh, for for newer tech companies but it might solve and that's my theory uh, an issue for um uh, the corporates like you or even smaller corporates that had big problems of hiring talent in the last years because uh, talent usually was uh, uh, uh was getting into um the new tech companies the bigger ones or new startup with lots of uh, money high salaries esops all this time that that should solve your talent problem from my point of view do you see that already <clears throat> i have i have two three views on that right one is you know and i think this was yesterday mentioned in one of the keynotes as well which i completely agree is the culture of the company is you know quite important as well so while yes there may be talent available i think the question is how do they really fit into a corporate kind of setup right which is not going to be like a startup kind of setup right so those folks who are adaptable who can relate to it are quite key right just skills you know will not really help i think the second thing is from a mass perspective we are always on a a bimodal strategy right we are not trying to set up an army of people trying to do you know full d2c in house we are we have a core team with core skills to balance our costs and budgets and then rely on capable partners you know to be able to do that so to me i think these two are to be balanced the way i look at it is uh, you know if if mars is intent on going after talent and hiring them i haven't really seen a challenge in you know the number of people applying for it you know we for example we have people from amazon and uber and apple you know they have joined us when the intent is there and when the opening is there so i would balance both of them right it is not that we have struggled from a talent perspective to fill capabilities or fill slots but i'm sure you know the recent downturn will definitely help you know but keeping these two things in mind which is culture and a balance of our core team versus you know being able to get tasks done in a cost effective manner with our partners as well very smart and balanced answer um here balki thank you for your time i'm pretty sure we're going to follow up uh, next year at the shop talks and i guess there's uh, way more than 250 people work on the direct consumer uh, i hope so <laughs> thank you for coming here to abus yeah thank you pleasure